Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. So today I sit down with my cousin, Michael, who's younger, smarter, handsomer, all the above. Uh, and he's a businessman. He pretty much has everything from restaurants to real estate to artwork. It's pretty incredible what he's uh, achieved in his short time of really going after it. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him about business in general was that I've been asked quite a few times to do presentations and talks uh, to corporate entities and typically on the subject of the things that I learn when I'm out sailing on these adventures and how I'm able to overcome things and prepare for things. All all these subjects that equate to problems and issues that happen in the business world. And so it's kind of interesting to sit down and, and get a perspective about, you know, business in general and sort of the ups and the downs and all that. So if you're in the Indianapolis area, he uh, runs and operates a few different restaurants, Mimi Blues, and they specialize in all sorts of stuff. I believe it's meatballs for days, and they got just about every single type you would ever want. I've been there myself, and it was absolutely phenomenal, so I definitely recommend checking it out. But without further ado, here is my cousin and I talking business it's not live. No, but yeah, yeah. like we're live as far as the it's podcast recording. is recording, so I can see the the lip sweat already beginning to form. I don't think you can, <laughs> <laughs> Mike. It's really good to have you uh, on this show because I I will say, in all honesty, you have uh, exceeded any expectations as far as uh, your dealings in like the business world. It's something that I completely lacking and everything but uh to see you just man up and go after it in so many different facets it's pretty cool man i appreciate that yeah well i i I mean it is i think it takes a certain type of person to be in that business mindset because i i mean you got to be kind of like aggressive right you you have to be aggressive uh you have to prioritize which is i think really hard for people in business because there are so many priorities and everybody has a different one and but whatever is important to you that you think is going to get the job done mm-hmm. you prioritize and you execute and as long as you have that drive to at least accomplish the immediate goal in front of you then you can be successful at it then you can you can bull through but you gotta be tough as well i mean you can't you know, isn't that isn't that sort of the business mindset? Is that you've got to be like aggressive and ready to fight for what you want and what you? Well, I I think that you want to just put that mic right in front of your face there. There we go. Move it this way. Yeah, pull it. There you go. Boom. <laughs> yeah. See how I'm aggressive with the podcast. Exactly. That's just exactly like that's my business. You know. You know i I think in in business there are people who 
are aggressive and tough and um, expect perfection around them. And I think that's the stereotypical businessman or businesswoman. The Gordon Gecko, if you will. In some cases, yeah. But then you also have found the people who are, uh, they have a good idea. They know how to execute that idea. They know how to run their business and they do it in a very calm fashion. It's, you know, you hear about coaches, some are aggressive and some aren't. Yeah. They just, they have, they want you to execute the game plan. And uh, so I think that from an entrepreneur route, you have people from all, it, 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 you have to find a style that works for you. Uh, I was, you know, uh, raised in an entrepreneurial family and uh, they were all uh, extremely fair, cared about other people, but uh, tough because they wanted things done their way. And if you're an entrepreneur, it is your way. And whether you succeed or fail, it's all on you. Yeah, yeah. So people tend to get pretty passionate and pretty tough about what they're doing, not because you have to necessarily be a tough person, but because you care so much, and when you're not true, no one's going to care like you. And when you care about something that um, important, or um, whether it's because you know you're after the monetary gain, or you're after, um, you know, you like what this business is going to do for somebody, or whatever, the power, what, yeah, whatever the driving whatever force, yeah, you, yeah, correct, whatever the driving force is, it's a driving force, and it's all on your shoulders. So people tend to become intense, but well, people don't always start out that way. Because I, I do, I think, I agree with you that I think people, when when it is all on your shoulders, so to speak, and it's it's your creation and you're trying to build this thing, whatever sort of company it might be, uh, if, it, if you let it fall to pieces, that's exactly what's going to happen. And so you do have to sort of guard it with your life in a way. I mean, it's it's so different. You know, all my life, I have been working for other people until I did that voyage around the world. Mm -hmm. And then I swapped over, and that was the first time I ever, I mean, it's kind of a strange business to be in, but like doing the, from there, it was doing the presentations, which was my own little sort of speaking company, if you will, Mm -hmm. and then getting into the book and then getting into the podcast even. And I, I have to tell you, it's like addictive. Well, so that's, so if you think about it, like I've known you my whole life, you know, you never liked the phone or the technology side of things. Ooh. And when you started doing it, you became, because you knew that that was a necessity. You have so to do it. even yeah. though it was an area that you weren't always that fascinated by, you adopted it because you cared about your end result. You cared about your speaking engagements. You care about this podcast. You care. So, you know, when somebody decides to take the risk to be an entrepreneur, whether it's real estate or restaurants or an art business or a technology business, whatever it is, you do what you have to do because you care about some end goal. Yeah. And it changes people's. And, you know, and, and you know, there were times in business where, you know, I became cynical because I felt let, let down by everybody. And my father said to me one time, no one's going to care like Not you. Not as much as you do. Yeah. And if you let everybody around you affect you that way, it's going to interfere with how you behave and how you interact with people. And and uh, so you change when you care about something this much. And 
the route you're taking now is an entrepreneurial route and you adopt things you never thought you would adopt, you change because you care so much. Mm-hmm. And and that's the reality. I mean, there's all these sophisticated words you could use, but it's really about caring. That's well, all that matters. And I think too, when, when you are invested in doing something like that, that you're, again, it's your creation, yeah. you're going to be actually way more involved as far as uh, how many hours and how much time you put into it because the more you put in, the more you get out. Yeah. As I guess you could also say, like, if, if all of a sudden things start burning around you, then you better be able to step up to the plate Yeah. to yeah. be able to put it all out. Well, well, let me ask you, so what were sort of your inspirations, I guess, to sort of take off in that direction? Well, I so I think part of the thing with me in particular is um, I have a competitive nature, but a lot of people do. Uh, I started to find that um, I really enjoyed the study of business. Mm-hmm. So I can find a benefit or something exciting almost about any industry, any business. And after I got in with college and I was working, I would sit in meetings and I thought to myself, well, I was pretending that I knew what everybody was talking about. And yeah. I didn't like that. I didn't like that weakness. And, and this is just a personal thing. And right. so I knew I liked business. I knew I wanted to kind of do my own thing. And now granted I'm following certain footsteps of, you know, my entrepreneur family. Yeah. Uh, then I, and you know, school was never, you know, big drive for me, but I knew that I needed it after college. And then, so I went back and I got an MBA and while I was doing my MBA, I just, I real I was working full time. I just realized how much I truly found business fascinating. So, you know, about shortly after that time, we got into the restaurant industry as well as the, you know, we've always been in the real estate business, but, um, I can literally sit there and, and watch, read books or watch documentaries or whatever I have to do just to learn about any industry I can, which, you know, causes you some confusion because you're <laughs> like, you know, get your head on a swivel the whole time. Yeah, but I yeah. just, I love that. Um, I love that world. At one point I left the entrepreneur environment that I was in and went to work for um, a massive real estate company. And after a year I left because I couldn't, I didn't like the fact that I had my place. I wanted an opinion in everything. Yeah. And that was when I really knew one way or the other, I have to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because yeah. if you got to have your own. Yeah. Thing. I, you, if, if I was so uncomfortable being given that one job and when I would, and I, was not a quiet person. So I would speak up in these meetings and people, you know, would just kind of push me aside and I didn't Get like out that. Of here, rookie. Yeah, exactly. They're like, well, back you know, the, and I was like, well, I have an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing Michael J. Fox in, uh, Oh shoot. What was that movie? That early eighties movie. Uh, where um, uh, he goes to New York and he works for his aunt's company. Oh yeah! Starts in the man. Oh, oh, the smell of success. No, uh, no. It's something like that though. I'm ah. Not thinking of it. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was the consummate entrepreneur yeah. on film. Yeah, <laughs> but that that was so that was a big drive for me as when I knew that if I always wanted to have a voice, then I'm, you need I got to do the, my own thing. Yeah, the big Kahuna. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's pretty it, intimidating though, isn't it? That decision to just go after it. Well. I, you know, um, not 
with the family that I grew up with. And, oh right, yeah. You know those what I mean? Influences. Those influences, and Did you say you know, your your old man is is well, yeah. I mean, my mother started. You know, my mother uh, became successful in the one of the hardest industries, or you know, that exists today. Yeah. And then, um, my um, father, you know, was a real estate developer, and I started following in his footsteps. And you know, the weird thing for me was I thought that I was going to be stepping into a sure thing. Oh, and, like take over dad's place yeah, sort of thing. And everything fell apart. Yeah. At, uh, because of the 2008 2009 crash. Yeah. So, even and so the some of the confidences is that I have um I have their mindset and experience and sounding board and all sort of stuff. And but we had to rebuild. And I was Part of trying part to read part of that. Oh, so yeah. you got that experience. I got that experience. Yeah, I, by I I put the first business plan together when I was twenty three or twenty four. Oh wow! And I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew what wouldn't had made sense to me. So I was just all about that real life experience, and I knew that was really what was going to teach me. But I w- went back to. school school because uh i wanted to speed it up and that's that competitive side with me right so, right it, the evolution has just been really interesting because i didn't i knew i was going to follow in the footsteps but when everything kind of fell apart and then i actually went and worked for somebody else i i knew that one way or the other i have to do my own thing all these experiences led to not only an education and making sound business decisions and a lot of sound business decisions are knowing what you don't know. It's a very, you know, cliche thing to say, but it's actually true, going though. to figure it out. Right. But that's right. what most people do is they say, oh, I don't know that, but they don't go figure it out. Well, who do I talk to? How do I, you know? Do you think you'd be in as good of a position or as as knowledgeable as a, of a position now had 2008 not happened? No. No. Uh, because I don't. No, I I think. Well, you, the only reason I ask, I I've always found that uh, adversity is hundred percent a huge yeah. huge learning and experience builder, and as long as you're you know not going to just roll over and be like no more I quit yeah you know uh, it really so when when people have anxiety and they worry about all the things that could go wrong in reality if you get your head straight and you say yeah every i want every problem to come right down the pipe because i want practice at beating it down so when the chips are really there and it's my opportunity is there i've got 50 different weapons in my arsenal i'm feeling like i sound like freaking business guy <laughs> so so no and i know nothing well, no but but, but but you're right because i mean life experiences always lead to something right yeah. and whether they're good or bad what i what probably would have happened if there wasn't this you know time to rebuild and, and we're still doing it you know what i mean and it i i there were two things would happen probably uh from the ability to run a business or the ability to try to create revenue when you don't have a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, I probably would not have learned those. Uh, so 
to try to start something and From spend scratch. money as as money yeah. comes in and this you know a lot of people who start these businesses that grow really quick they get a big um, influx of capital yeah and uh where, been, where does that come from how how i guess because I, I think that's probably one of the things that you hear a lot is like man you know it takes money to make money if if only i had the backing you know i've got this idea i've got this plan where do people go to is it all just connections that you have already or well so it depends it's not like everybody can go on shark tank no no so it depends on the type of capital that you want to raise, right? Like there's, you can raise capital where somebody is coming in and they've invested in you. They own part of they this company. Chunk, yeah. And if the company does well, they do well. Mm-hmm. If it fails, they fail. There's banks, obviously, which, you know, are hard to get unless you have the money to pay it back or the assets is collateral. And it's not, but banks what would you, what would you sort of prefer? Like actual business I, connections? I, I like investors. Banks? I like investors who are partners with you on the deal. But what it means is, is that you've got to bring something that they see is valuable. It's sort of a little extra prod in the old backside. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, anytime, well, let me rephrase that. Anytime you're taking any other, any people's money, whether it's institutional money, banks, venture yeah. capitalist firms, whatever, uh, you're going to, you have to do diligence. You have to understand whether you have to understand the market, the potential of the product, your pricing models, whatever it is, whether the service or good. Um, if there's, you know, an arbitrage situation or, you know, an ability to take now, advantage now of something. Now yeah. you're talking Gordon Gecko <laughs> stuff right there. Well, but you know, you find, no, you what's, find the, a, what's the guy's name? Icon, uh, Oh, uh, Jerome and I actually watched that documentary on him, and it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. He's like the greatest arbitrage. Yeah, well, arbitrage is, you know, mainly hostile uh, takeovers. Well, yeah, arbitrage is, is something you find more like in the, the you know, equities tradings or like you know, oh, oh, and right, stuff like right. that. So, but arbitrage, I also look at kind of arbitrage as the ability, you know, of uh, an area that may be missing that you can take advantage of i mean you think about all these people who've invented something so obvious Mm -hmm. that made billions of dollars case in point the ring you know that guy was on the he went on with the ring the doorbell thing yeah oh yeah he went on shark Shark tank Tank and was denied yeah yeah richard and i believe the story is that richard branson saw him on shark tank and richard branson called him and said i'll invest with you really and then now Ah. the company's worth multiple you know uh, i don't know what over well over a billion oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so you know, you have a situation in where somebody just had a good idea and somebody else sees the potential and Richard Branson bought in, I believe. I don't obviously know the yeah. details of their deal. I don't but... have a Jamie here to to Google stuff for me. Yeah, exactly. If if this does, uh, if the podcast does get real popular and lucrative, Sven said he'll be my Jamie. He'll be your Jamie. He'll yeah. sit at the computer. He'd I was be like, great at it. I was like, I just don't know if you can shut up, though. <laughs> no, I was going to say you can give him a mic. <laughs> That's the question. Because you know he's going to listen. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Sven. We love uh, Sven. We love Sven, yeah. But, you know, when you were talking about raising capital, there's all sorts of ways to raise capital. There's all sorts of ways to structure it. The problem is, is a lot of, you know, if you got a person who's investing with you who wants to be your partner, if you fail, they're probably not going to do it again. Oh, so it's like a or, one-shot deal. Well, I mean, not, person, not always, maybe. but sometimes, right? Yeah. Like, and so there's just all this pressure. And then, so 
it hurts you, you know, if you fail, it hurts you financially. How do you it really deal with that? How do you deal with the pressures that, that are involved in sort of the world of business? Well, I, Th- you know, that's but- the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing when people are counting on you. When we, yeah. when we started a business, like a restaurant business where we actually have staff and, you know, in, in, um, it was, and you have this number of staff, it, it, that's one of the hardest things because it does keep you up at night because you have these you, you not everybody, but you have these good people who work with you, and their families. Yeah, and so you, on... so anybody who I find to be a responsible business person, uh, you have you have to care about the people who who show up and work with you, and when things aren't when things aren't going well, that real that. For me, that gets to me quite a bit. You know, when you go through slow times or, you know, pandemics, pandemics, or you got to cut somebody. I mean, it, it, it really it can hurt, right? And and all of a sudden, you start to care more about that than the bottom line because yeah. these people have shown up for you. They've worked with you. They've helped you when you needed it. And even though you're paying them, and yeah, that's great. That's the relationships you have. It doesn't matter. They're still people. Yeah. And that is one of, like, the business term that I hate more than anything is human capital because it, oh, that you know, sounds, I, I hate, I hate that term. Yeah. It, it, it does. And I never look at it that way uh, because, and, and I've had people certainly try to take advantage and have taken advantage and, oh, people you know, will. People no love will. lost there. You know. But I also have so many good people. That that then becomes the priority, mm-hmm. um, and obviously you're in business to make money. But it it so that is one of the hardest parts, both well, managing and, them and wanting to make sure that you do right by them. So when you you know I I'm assuming that you pretty much much like with the stuff that I do now, it's kind of on my mind or in the back of my mind twenty four seven. Like yeah. even if I walk out of the tent so to speak here, or walk off the boat. It's still sort of on my mind, um, and there is that bit of pressure. How, when you get home and you're with the family and all that sort of stuff, what what are some of the some of the remedies, I guess, to be able to not keel over from a heart attack at 42 years old? You know, not saying that's how old you are, but like when you hit 42. I mean, because that's a reality of the situation. The stress that's involved in business can be a killer. It, it, literally it, yeah and i you know i i especially me and this is partly the way i'm wired mm-hmm. i can't it's very hard for me to let go i it, it, i try to make sure that i take care of my other responsibilities whether it's at home you know, being there my wife julie and our daughter and so like that. but for me it's always on your mind constantly and that is tough and so some days i've thought to myself why am i why do i want to do this well there's two reasons one um i like the responsibility oddly enough at the end of the day i like the responsibility well it does add it's got to add some structure to your life too you know yeah in that way of like well i know what i'm doing today yeah well and then there's some days where you've got so much going on that you're almost paralyzed by the fact that you don't Mm -hmm. know what to do well that's where it's all about you got that list and you just tick them off one at a time but you know and that's when i start off by saying the priorities like priority to me not be may not be a priority to one of my partners yeah and then they're like well why haven't we done this and i'm sitting there going well 
we we focused on xyz and like well you know and then you just have it i mean they're partners so but you right, just have right. a disagreement on what your priorities are and but you but letting go of that is i i is 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 extremely difficult just not to think about it not to um not to have a constant responsibility to your staff, your partners, your investors, your um, and your friends and your family, and it's just it's a lot. But again, the responsibility for some reason I get mileage out of having that responsibility mm-hmm. because so it's a double edged sword. It is a double edged sword, yeah. And um, there have been times and situations where I've said okay i need to take a step back because it is affecting my life because i was um you know to a point where it was consuming and the payoff wasn't matching the consumption right right and so i had to make a turn on something that i was working on um well because it's also it's easy to fall into that sort of trap of like i'm so stressed out i'm just gonna have you know martini at lunch because that'll make me a little easier or i'm gonna start smoking or you know you can you can develop all these sort of crutches to sort of deal with that absolutely but i mean yeah. do you have do you have actual examples of things that that sort of help help you sort of break away and just just level back up a little bit so um you know uh, I think we found something that you need to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm drawing a kind of a <laughs> That's blank. Not a bad thing. Besides, well, then you like used fitness, to do, like, jiu-jitsu right? and stuff and all that. No, I mean I boxed a little, but oh, that's um, what it was. Boxing. Uh, working out was always the was. But wasn't was it pretty much you would just go in and get hit a whole bunch and then be like. <laughs> I'll pay you for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I made it a point not to ever pay to spar somebody because. Oh, good. Yeah. And one guy one time was like, uh, "Well, you know, now I'm going to start charging." I'm like. I'm not paying you to punch me in the face. Like yeah, we're, you're, right. we're we're sparring because you like it and you I like be it. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that that did, uh, you know, having that physical, um, the adrenaline and, yeah. and and the the physical exhaustion of that did help. Uh, well, and the endorphins too. And the door, I mean, yeah, hundred really percent. Fitness in general has obviously been in been, all walks of life. I've always felt that. If you're ever down or if you're ever stressed or if you're ever anything that you don't really want to be, go break a sweat somewhere. And that's, yeah. it's at the bare minimum, it's going to help it a little bit. There are certainly times where uh, even working out, they, they, you know, something is consuming you so much that... Oh, it's hard. You, yeah. you, you sometimes... Don't you? I mean, you can't let it go. Yeah, and I've been running for six and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. <laughs> My feet and are I, bleeding, I, and I'm still upset. You I'm know, still uh, upset. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I found honestly. And this is again, this is all person like my own personal yeah, yeah. hangups or my personal you know obsession when it comes to well part part of the reason I asked before you answer yeah. is just that you know I found that a lot of people react to a lot of the things that we talk about on the show and everything, um, and a lot of times the reaction are like, dude, you know, I never thought about that. I, thank you for that. This and this was really cool, and I'm going to try it. So, and if if you ask Julie, uh, certainly this is an area that I need to work on if there's a problem, like let's say I've got a, um, you know, an internal issue or HR issue or staffing issue. Yeah. 
when I fix those things, it's an, for me, it's an, an incredible high, almost like somebody paid me a bunch of money. Really? Yeah. Okay. Fixing the issue, even though, I mean, it might be an issue I want nothing to do with. I'm mad that I got to fix it. Yeah. When I walk out successful on the other side, Uh it's a victory. And that, however long that lasts, and sometimes it only lasts a day. It's sometimes it lasts long. It it is one of these things where I can look back and be like, okay, I I I I kind of won that battle, right? I fixed this issue. Now we're in a better place. Um, and you can use that when you encounter the next big correct milestone that you got to deal with. You can be like, well, remember, and you know, I've always found that because it's it's so easy to forget. You know that. Oh, okay. So for me, it's it's. I make it through some nasty gale out at sea, yeah. And I have to work hard. I have to do a lot of sail changes, blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff. But then the winds ease up and the waves drop down, and I'm sailing again. And it's it's like an extreme high, yeah, that you get through. And then it does fade eventually. But then you know the next storm clouds come in, and it's normally the last thing I ever think of is like it's gonna be awesome when I finish this one. It's always like, oh man, here well, it comes again. Well, you're in the middle of it. And you're like, why am I doing this? Then you get on the other side and you go, that's why I'm you're, doing this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 so, but you think about from a business standpoint when the only way to feel good about something is, you know, yeah. is getting down with it. You, ne- you never really like it's hard to let go. And that is like you said, that's. You're absolutely right. It's one area that personally I've got to work on. So because when I can't let go of something unless I fix it, that can be pretty all-consuming. Yeah, yeah. And I think in some ways being like that has helped me, uh, especially through some very uh, difficult times throughout my still young business career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I also relish in the fact that I have these experiences. I'm really big on that yeah. because I feel like you know. What I because again my when I thought my path was going to be like I'm going to go in I'm going to work hard but I've basically got everything set up for me and then that all changed then, that was the start of me sitting there going okay I got to I got to find out and fix problems or find opportunities and um, and it's it's not easy because you know it can feel very lonely in a sense you know and it, kind of weird I'm saying that to you who spent you know, sometimes <laughs> you did alone at sea, but king of yeah, loneliness, right? But, um, <laughs> but when you think, well, next year, how am I going to make money? And you've got to go find a deal, or, you know, follow through with an opportunity or something. You know, yeah. it's it can it's unbelievably nerve wracking. It's an ongoing, yeah. It is. Yeah. It's sort of the only thing I can equate it to. And and Sven actually has more anxiety about this podcast. Or the idea of having a podcast, he's like, I just don't know how I could continually come up with things to have shows about, you know, week after week after week. I think it was when I told him I was putting out two or three a week. He was yeah. just like, because uh, I, I always said if I was if I take off on another long trip, I'm going to have to have him take over the take show over for the fire, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And there's this flare of excitement, and then... A he's glint like, of fear. <laughs> 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 nah, he's not afraid. He he would absolutely love it. But yeah, I I know what you mean. I mean, it is, uh, it's one of those things where 
again, and I, I'm always just going to have to equate it back to sailing, but no, there's so yeah. many similarities uh, with the whole, which is why I've been able to do like corporate sort of speaking stuff. But when I was going around the world, I, in the beginning, was worried about Cape Horn, which was 18,000 miles away mm -hmm. and months and months and months down the line and finally had to sort of narrow my scope. You know, you know the end goal and you stuff it in the back of your head somewhere. Yeah. You know, you, that's your five-year plan or your 10-year plan or, or all the way to your retirement plan in business, I would think. Yeah. And then you focus on the day that you're doing and maybe just the ocean. You know, you got your one year, like, this is our goals. I mean, do you, you must be setting, you know, pretty, pretty solid, serious goals and you know where you want to be at certain areas and, and be able to sort of shrink it down to that. Yeah. And, and, you know, if the best example, I think for that would, if you take the restaurant group that we started, right, we're not restaurant guys, we're business guys. Right. And I say that because, you know, everybody thinks, well, this restaurant is a, restaurants are a business, but they're, they seem to be in a lot of people's minds, not mine, this special sector and you got to have all this experience and you should have started as a dishwasher and came up blah 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 well without having restaurant experience you know i learned what needed to be done we developed an operation and we grew this thing well from day one of developing the operation i pretended as if this was a multi-store operation yeah so i put things in place way uh, early on in the business development phase in anticipation for the next uh, five years. Yeah. And by year four, we had two other, we had three restaurants total. Ah. And it was because I did that that made the, as long as we were cash flow positive. Now, COVID hit, it's a totally different story, but prior yeah, to that, yeah. right? We don't um, even have to get into it. Yeah. I think well, I mean, but everybody, everybody, <laughs> I mean, you know, happy to, but yeah, every, you know, but what I'm saying is exactly. So you, you plan for what you're trying to be. Yeah. Um, you know, on the real estate side, it's where's the market, where's the opportunity, you know, and, and also know. it's like more of a speculative. Well, yeah, real estate's always expected, right? Yeah. And but there's different, I mean, there's different classes, whether you have this income producing or you're redeveloping land, or you're actually going to take construction risk and build, you know, brand new buildings or retail or industrial or What are you commercial. normally sort of focusing on? We're, right now, a lot of stuff is repositioning land. So um, buying land in growth areas, um, you want to obviously try to get there before it's identified as a growth area, mm -hmm. kind of see where like the migration is going. Oh, like buying in between two cities, hoping the cities are Or gonna... like you take Indianapolis, for instance, downtown Indianapolis, and basically our midtown, which is Broderpool, which is eight miles from downtown. Mm-hmm there's a big transition area between the two that, you know, a couple, you know, pioneering architects or somebody went and bought a house and redid. There's an industrial area filled with dry cleaners and gas stations and warehousing that all started to phase out. Mm -hmm. And then you have all these little lots and, or these stretches of land stuff that lots were selling for 2,500 bucks. And now, Seventy, eighty thousand dollars a lot, mm. and so the guys who went in there at twenty five hundred and bought up a bunch of lots or bought up big tracts of land uh, ended up making a fortune. Right. And so you want to try to get into those areas. And so 
what we're doing is is we're we're buying up land and we're changing what's allowed to be developed there, rezoning it. So yeah. something oh, could could so you go into the the legal paperwork yeah, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So uh, that that would be sorry to interrupt. That that'd be more of the along the lines of of it may it takes money to make money sort of business, right? Yes, uh, in 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 those situations, and also with real estate, is it something that you can turn around in the next twelve months? Or I mean, we I know guys who bought land with investors, and they were all patient, and they waited twenty years, and then all of a sudden, kaboom! Yeah, the, then then they just monster, you know. And I, I'm more on the short term thing. I want to try to find properties that. You know, in the next twelve to twenty-four months, if we do something, we can either well, sell off to another developer who can put we rezone it. Yeah. They can put their density on it because the developer then doesn't take the zoning risk. Well, and it's not with with land. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like if you purchase it, then you you still have to pay f- for the fact that you own it. Taxes, and absolutely, like that, maintenance, right? everything so else, is, and if you get debt on, yeah, yeah, correct. And that's why with some of these big tracts of land, people don't want to. You know, some people put debt on them, some people don't because they don't want to sit there and service the debt. They'd rather find either use their own money or find patient capital from investors who are willing to wait it out with you. And then in three years, all of a sudden, you have this boom or you you bought in a town where they're getting ready to upgrade their utilities that can, you know, support a bigger development. And they do that because they want to, the town wants to support increased density and increase their tax base and yada, and you know, you it's it, yeah, that's it's, making my lips sweat. It no, there's all I mean, <laughs> that, that is that's just a fraction of all the stuff you look at, but you know, you find an opportunity <laughs> like that, and that's why some of these farmers in you know they have this farmland for years and years and years, and they make generations, yeah, and then all of a sudden a big tech park comes around and yeah. buys their land, and these guys all of a sudden are sitting on. 20 30 40 million dollars worth of now that was never their end game yeah yeah but so now think of a developer trying to go out and do that on a short-term scale in a sense right but as developers we're going out and saying no we can do this in this amount of time we talk to the city city's going to support xyz and you know this density and what we're doing right now is then going out to the bigger production builders and saying hey we have a piece of land it's zoned x you have a product that you stamp out all over the country do you want this piece of land that way we're not taking the risk on building it the construction risk getting a construction loan and make sure that you're managing that correctly and and so it's a reduced risk profile and so that's something that we've been focused on lately that and then like I was saying, you know, our restaurant group as well. Well, with with the two, I mean, it, it sounds like there's definitely some similarities with with how sort of those two businesses operate. But which one? What would you say you're more passionate about? You know, the restaurant business I have a passion for because I didn't know anything about it. I worked diligently grew an operation and it was in it was something it was a proven entity and in that i in the restaurants in our restaurant group i have you know a greater number of staff yeah and so caring for them and building something that i um 
You can like physically walk in there and see like happy families eating. Well, that yes, and and of course the community aspect of it has been great uh, because uh, you know people like it, or we get mentioned, you know, magazines or the paper, and right. you know, because we did something right. I get love that. Invited on epic podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> get invited on. A, but you know, it 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 is. It was it was something that I really didn't know anything about. Figured it out and built it. And for that, I love it. I would say that the real estate side of it, uh, I think, is um, has a lot of moving parts, and it and every deal is different, and it can be complicated. And I think I like that challenge. A little more exciting too, maybe. I think because it's I think it's a harder challenge. Like the restaurant business has its challenges, Mm -hmm. but to me they're pretty obvious challenges to get past. You know, there's just a lot of challenges. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to get an A plus every single day. You know, five hundred times a day or a thousand times a day with every customer there's definitely a consistency there that has yeah, to be yeah. reached and breached and and maintained i guess yeah. more than anything one bad day in the restaurant business can hurt you especially with social media and yelps and all, all this stuff. stuff so so you well don't they don't they say that basically if, you, if somebody's really happy with the service they might tell one friend but if they're unhappy they're going to tell like a hundred of course yeah, yeah. or now blasted on social media and tell the world yeah yeah yeah. and so the pressures and the pressures for me the pressures for my staff who are there every day you know it's a tough business and and you know to execute your operation every day you need good people around you Mm -hmm. and so but the problems that arise the solutions i think are they're not they might be a headache to solve, but the solution, the path, the goal is really straightforward and easy. When it comes to land and the real estate and um, any sort of really real estate development, or, you know, everything from the price, the product, the design, the, 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 the um, politics, the financing, the, um, I mean, the contracts, the reps and warranties, the, you know, the engineering, the architectural, the um, impact on the communities, dealing with the school system. It, there's so much going on and everything is so different yeah. that I, f- I personally find that um, really exciting. And it's not straightforward. You really have to go out and find out every little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that, to me, is a lot of fun. So, um, I, I, you know, I grew up in the real estate, so I think that I had, I really have a passion for both. It's just different. Um, and, um, so I'd hate to say like one over the other, uh, uh, I probably get more, uh, worked up excited for the real estate. estate, Yeah, Yeah. Just because it's, it's not straightforward. You really got to figure stuff out right right Um, well and i would think that the potential to have some mind-boggling figures as far as uh wins and losses and things like that compared to the restaurant thing until the restaurant thing 
becomes a certain size, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, but. but you know, the other thing with the real estate uh, that I think always really drove my father, my uncle, uh, they were partners for 50 years, was when, and they built a lot of new construction, but you think about stuff that they built or a deal that they did is going to be there for decades. Yeah, for a long, long time. And so there's a way to look at this stuff and say, listen, I'm contributing, and there's a lot of developers out there who really contribute crap, right? Yeah, and, well, they, I mean, I was going to yeah. ask you, because, you, you know, I, I remember, and I just don't know if it's quite as, as around or as common now, but, like, the just the word developer was, like, a four-letter word for a long time. Yeah, so, and um, I was on the phone last week. There's this town where... Um, a lot of farmers, they've been completely against development. Uh, well, it's starting to kind of head their way. Mm -hmm. And this uh, really nice gentleman, he said, what is going to happen here? And I told him flat out, and I was, we've been, we're a very transparent group. Yeah. And I told him flat out, I said, if you get responsible developers in here, and what I mean by, and I, when I say that word responsible developers, to me, it's somebody who's going to respect what the town wants, either from a design perspective or a density perspective, mm -hmm. but also build something that <clears throat> is sustainable for the for the town. You know, yeah, it, it doesn't just pave over them. Yeah, and and or you're building something that even just even when you go to just something that architectural architecturally appealing, right? As opposed to something that you know is going to look good for a few years and then it's just. Yeah, you know, a giant. I mean, you know, more and more quali towns have quality materials, quality, right? You right. know, you know, elevations. Um, you know, if you can afford to do it, because you know, obviously, you have to be able to pay for that quality and mm -hmm. what you pay for the land and what you have to pay to, you know, get it rezoned and all sorts of, you know, has an impact on that, right? But to not come in and just build, um inexpensive, ugly things just to put somebody in there, make your money and get out. Mm -hmm. That's not a responsible developer. You want to come in, you want to listen to what the town needs and what they want. And because there are, we know a lot of really big responsible developers. They don't take shortcuts and they build quality stuff and it suits a need in whatever community, whether it's a big, you know, sprawling downtown or it's a uh, farm town that's expanding. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that's really important because you have to continue to grow. As people, we have to continue to grow. As land has to continue to grow because towns, they need taxpayers. They need people who are going to contribute to their schools and, 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 and visit their shops and restaurants. And so at some point, you got to bring it in. But there's got to be you got to do it right. You got to work with the people around you, work with the towns, work with, and, and so, and I was explaining this to that gentleman and, you know, he said, no, you know, I, I think I agree with you, but all he's hearing is they're going to come and take my farmland. That's not what's happening. Right. Um, in but, some cases. Yeah. But I, well, I mean, I guess this is a, it's a pretty interesting not subject. What we, not what we were doing. But yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, trying I, to, and yeah. that's why yeah. I, but uh, I think we've stumbled across something that, that I've always had a few questions, and maybe you might be able to, I'm sure you'd be able to shed some light on this, but like, 
for instance, Petoskey, this little uh-huh. town we live in. I remember when, you know, Walmart and Home Depot and all the big stores wanted to come in. And yeah. we've, we've always been a town that on the outskirts has a couple motels. It's got the fast food. It's got the gas station. Chris is big boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is is pretty much stock standard here in America, right? Correct. Um, that sort of cookie cutter sort of thing. But now, over the last, what, 20 years, it's been that you've also got a Walmart and then a big, you've just got the big box stores that are sort of sucking away things from the downtown. Now, luckily, our town has been able to sort of withstand it. But when I hiked on the Appalachian Trail, I can't tell you countless amounts of towns that I went through where it was like 80% of the downtown is all boarded up. And mm-hmm. it's because, the, you know, there's a Walmart that, that moved in, you know, over there, five miles out of town. And yeah. so this town sort of died. And I, you know, I've always, I've never, I've always had this thought, this thinking that there has to be a bit of consumer responsibility involved where, you know, people need to say, and and tell me if this is just me dreaming, right? But I've always felt that the responsibility for that happening for like small towns sort of dying from the inside comes both from the fact that yeah, I mean, a giant store will, will plop one down in there because it's no, it's a, it's a pennies in a bucket for them, but also the people in the town are making the conscious decision that they want more stuff for less money, mm-hmm. and they're willing to give up shopping at their local community yeah. stores. And it's, a, like I was saying, it's a shared response. It's not all anybody's fault, I don't think, but I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that sort of uh, situation? Well, um, so there's there's several ways to look, to, to look at it. Um, you know, Walmart comes in, buys a big piece of land, they're paying huge taxes, and they put a bunch of people to work. Mm-hmm. And yes, they are bringing in product that more people can maybe afford, and 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 so it. And the fear is, is okay. So I had this nice shop in town selling X Y Z product. Walmart came in, undercut me, and everybody's now buying from Walmart. Yeah, that that's the downside to that, right? Um. And then, obviously, the upside is what I just mentioned, right? Increased tax base, more jobs, isn't it? Well, but uh, let me just ask, though. I mean, if if you had, like, a a typical Walmart, and obviously I don't know any of these stats, but I would think it wouldn't just be one business. It might be 10 businesses that end up going under. So the question is, is what's happening to the population growth? Yeah. Is, Is one of my uncle likes to put it, the trade areas are getting smaller, right? So meaning, you know, more stuff, more competition for everybody is popping up in a smaller area, smaller, you know, smaller radius of, from your house, right? So most people, a lot of times now, they don't have to really they drive. They can to. walk to go do something, right? Before, everybody had to drive. Now. Yeah. So as the trade areas shrink, the question is, is the population growing? Because if the population growing and more people are coming in, then it theoretically may not hurt the businesses, right? Because Walmart's like, hey, this area is booming. We're going to go in and we're going to put our stores. Well, if more and more people are still moving there, coming, you know, um, 
either to live there or visit there or whatever the reason be, mm-hmm. then there's still a bigger pool of revenue. Yeah. The problem is, is when Walmart sucks up whatever's there. Right. But, so I I think, yes, those things can happen. Uh, hopefully, you know, you take a place like Petoskey where it seems to continue to grow. Yeah, well, and I, I believe it has. That's I mean, we are, probably why. I think a lot of it is is due to the fact that we are sort of a seasonal destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, assuming that the, the smaller retailer in town has a premium product mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there are certain areas of the country where people want a premium product. They're willing to pay for a premium product. Yeah. So that's why they'll still survive. Growing revenue, they have a superior product, uh, and there's people around who can afford the superior product. And I don't know why there's, I don't know the exact reason why, like some of these towns you pass through had boarded up windows, but mm-hmm. you know maybe Walmart did come in and there wasn't enough revenue to go around, and Walmart sucked it all up, or they um, maybe their um, services weren't very good in the first, or their place. service weren't good, or their product wasn't very good, and they had, and you know the population was really decreasing in those towns as opposed to increasing. Yeah. And um, so that's probably why you didn't see it around here is for all these other reasons. And you probably have to blank out Walmart's name on this whole uh, podcast. Oh, I know. No, you <laughs> can say they're a public company. I mean, I, we're not trashing them by any No, no, we're no. Just yeah. disgusting them. So, but there's... So when we start accusing... They start and, accusing. You know, there's saying. so many reasons why these things happen. Yeah. It, you know, it... And... It's, I think, and, and we don't know all the reasons, right? I think it's hard to say, you know, big box retailer came in and destroyed all the businesses. Right. Uh, certainly, it brings in competition. And certainly, it's going to have an impact. Whether or not it, it destroys the business altogether, it's always hard to say. Yeah. You know, and you take, in, in some cases, you know, somebody may own the land or own the building that their business is in. And... Walmart coming in and and allowing more amenities, which people then migrate, say, oh, you know, it's easy to live in Petoskey now because they have all these other goods and services that they didn't have before, right? Yeah. So now I'm going to buy a house up there. It's not somebody's full reason, but you know what happens. Like as towns grow and things like that, people flock to them. Yeah. And um, so then the real estate becomes more valuable. So, I mean, you know, it's just, there's so many moving parts right. to why all this stuff, there's good and there's bad to every change that comes. Yeah, it can't really just be yeah. pinned down to, yeah. to but, one thing. But you really don't know, are people, is this, is, are these towns somebody, that somebody's moving into or somebody's moving out, out of, of yeah. you know? Because that, that is true. I mean, people, people migrate constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just always, I, I've always thought, because, so when I lived in the British Virgin Islands, Basically, there's no chain stores there. They're illegal. Yeah. So like, there's no McDonald's. There's no Walmart. None of that sort of stuff. They they now have. I think the closest thing to a chain store is like a Napa Auto Parts or something because they need vehicles to be able to run. Of course, you yeah. Know, you can't you can't have uh, mom and pop doing that in the BBI. It just wouldn't work. But so what I found was that you know. 99% of your shopping is done in these local little stores. And yeah, sometimes you're like, this is the oddest place I've ever seen in my life. But 
you're also having a pretty good conversation typically with somebody that you know or you know their family members or there's a connection and a relationship there. And I think what I brought back to the States when I moved back here from that sort of experience was that when I'm out, I might have to pay a little bit more money to go and shop at a local store, go into the hardware store instead of going to the box store. But what I'm paying for that extra is, is that relationship with the guy that I know who owns that place or who works there, Mm -hmm. who's also part of the community that I live in. And it's sort of like, you're probably not going to get that at a box store. You're going to definitely, or you should be able to get it at the local place. So I don't know, you know, it's one of those things. And I guess that's where my whole idea of, of being more of a responsible consumer, but consumers always going to try and go for the lowest prices, I would think. So in, in you, you take the example of um, the BVI, the BVI, you said, right? Mm-hmm. What what type of competition pops up for all these other retailers, right? So how many different goods and services are being provided that are the same? You know, do, do they do they reduce the amount of stores that can, like an independent person can go and open? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, are, are they controlling their competition oh, right, better? Right, right. So, so you that I'm not 100 percent sure. I I would think there's probably some people that have opened or started multiple stores, but maybe not. Well, but no, maybe they start multiple stores. But so, for instance, you know, you go and you've got an idea for, a, you know, you're going to open a jewelry store mm-hmm. in this as an example, in a mall. In your lease with the mall, you're going to sit there and say, hey, I don't want any other, you're going to try at least, say, exclusive, exclusive. I don't want any other jewelry stores or any jewelry stores that sells necklaces and rings because I'm specializing in necklaces and rings. Yeah. So you're basically saying to the landlord, listen, this is my, re- my piece of real estate. I'm going to lease this. I have to be able to be successful here and capitalize anybody who's in this mall who's looking for rings and necklaces. So, but if the if you didn't have that, and the landlord, the person who owns them all, just starts opening all these rings and necklaces stores all around you. Yeah, you got a bunch of competition. You're not going to survive. So in the BVI, you know, if they only have a couple rings and necklace stores that everybody goes and visits, and they limit these big, uh, these big chains coming in. Yeah, that's great. But in some way, shape, or form, you'd think that they've got to at least have some limit on in certain trade areas, how many stores, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm just giving you an example, like if there's, if, if, if they allow people to specialize and stay small and stay, because those are the best places to shop, right? To have the relationship and. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um, But it it only works if those people can continue to survive. And whether it's a big retailer or a bunch of small retailers that come in and compete with you, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just got to be some control on what, um, on 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 whether or not a retailer is going to survive, or you kind of see what I'm like if you take the mall example again, yeah, they open a bunch of competing stores around you, you're not going to survive. Thing Doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be a big retailer. Right, so, right. you know, when you'd go to one of your favorite stores in the BVI, how many of the exact same stores did you see around them? Oh, not many. I mean, we'll see. So they so in their trade area. They can capitalize on the population, mm-hmm. and they can survive, and they're happy to do it, and it's a great little ecosystem, right? 
right. or the people next to him create good synergy. But I, I do know, and I think everybody down there knows, is that if they opened a Kentucky Fried Chicken on Virgin Gorda, sure. yeah. every yeah. little yeah. chicken stand, because those are real common in the BBI, and they're, you know, every single bar, uh, they all have, you know, fried chicken, Correct, fried yeah. fish, and all that. And I mean, it's great because there's a lot of variety, all that stuff. They would all disappear almost overnight. It, well, yeah. People get on the ferry to go and clear customs in St. Thomas to go get KFC and bring it back. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's how it's crazy. You know, the BVI, you want it, that is an isolated mm-hmm. trade area. So it makes sense yeah, yeah. not to let these big, because it will hurt everybody. You see what, that, that's what I was right. saying they earlier. They really protect. They have to protect because, I mean, they're they're vulnerable. They're, they're very vulnerable. Yeah, it's yeah. you know, it's not like somebody's going to create a new opportunity in the town next door. It's yeah, an yeah. island. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's so water there. Yeah, I mean, but that's exactly what I'm saying. It yeah, makes yeah. sense for them to keep these retail because you know, besides tourism, is their population really grow? I mean, I don't know. I'm yeah, just spe- speculating. Yeah. But so it it it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. Is is revenue growing by popu- is, by revenue growing? Pop- In the, said area is yeah. It, yeah is it up population? Is it going up it population up? equals revenue for retailers, yeah, right? Yeah. Or housing or whatever it is. So the BVI, it's a locked trade area. So they have to protect them. That's in my opinion. There's some responsibility that you have some responsibility not to let these chains come in and ruin the ecosystem that's been created right it's right, a pretty right. isolated you know yeah it, it's that's it's not a major metropolitan city right. that is expanding with land all around it you know <laughs> exactly. what i mean <laughs> so well and i i don't know i think the whole pvi thing really was just the lesson that i learned about what you actually get when you're always sort of shopping local yeah you get that little extra bit of community and all that sort of stuff there's no greater feeling than really that is. and even when our restaurants we try to create that. Like it, it's knowing the customer, uh, identifying with the customer, mm-hmm. and as many like processes and uh, expectations that we have on our corporate setup. Yeah, I will personally tell staff like you use your own personality. Yeah, Describe yeah. things the way you want to. You don't like something? Be honest with it. You have to have a connection with people. And that's because that's the best way to go out to eat. That's the best way to buy something. That's this the best isn't way. Shenanigans. No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I. Uh, that's. I think that's. I think that's the way to be. And yeah, yeah. And that's why. And that's another reason why people want to go to places like the BVI because they can go and travel. And not only is and the see, weather beautiful yeah, and right. the islands beautiful, but it's not like they're going to Atlanta. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> and right. Shopping. You know. So. Um, well, but it's okay. A good example. So we're we're past an hour already, and uh, but before I, what I wanted to get into, just because you're sort of an expert in this this whole field. So this podcast, uh-huh. what are your thoughts from a business perspective? Because I'm, I've been doing this, uh, I've been doing the the podcast. I think started sometime just after the pandemic. Okay. But it was very different for the first like year and a half, almost two years, where I just took a lot of stuff that I had recorded out on the ocean uh-huh. and brought it back and I uploaded it, just being like, well, I'll see what happens. Then I started doing some of the interviews and then I started getting more serious about doing 
uh, consistent content, I guess we'll say. Oh, is the bee? The bee is buzzing. Don't worry. He'll get out of here. Little, no, go ahead. Little bastard. Um, if I were, I don't know, from, from a business perspective, what do you think, uh, I guess, the potential or if you had any advice? Because I'm enjoying doing it more and more. And I would love to have this thing turn into uh, just a way, a source of revenue, if not my source of revenue. Well, first thing I would say is, what is who's who is similar to what you're doing, and who's been successful? How did they grow their base? How did they? How are they making money? We got we got a B in here. This is this is Jerome Sound. Oh, just be careful that book. One of my uh, one of my listeners sent it to me. I need to send it back. <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> I so the the first you you know that there's people out there making good money with the podcast. Yeah, you like hundred million dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. So, and you know with the with the podcast, the product is you, mm-hmm. and you're a good product. Oh, you're a, wow. you're a quality product. Head to toe, hundred percent American yeah. made. You know, there's, 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 and, and so you're the value. So you have to get people to see the value. How is that being done? How did other people do it? Now, obviously the goal is sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I see. Okay, let me just interrupt though. Yeah. Cuz I I've always found in in my estimation when I'm listening to other podcasts that are at that super high level, you'll be listening, you're really into it 20 minutes and then boom, they cut into an advertisement yeah. and I'm just like it it, mm. it 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 drives you crazy, but there's there's a reason they're doing the it. There's a reason they're because they want to continue to do their podcast and that's what's paying them well there's that and then there's also patreon stuff there mm-hmm. there's quite a few podcasts that uh make a huge amount of money doing that and it's just from people voluntarily supporting it yeah you know i i, I it's all about how you get to that point mm-hmm. right you have a good product how to and you do so how do you, because you're interviewing, you know, of course, people like me, right? Yeah, <laughs> if I'm like, getting oh, guys like you on here, <laughs> no, like I'm, that, just, I'm kidding, but the, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> so the question is, how do you grow it? How do you market it? How do you show what you have? Mm-hmm. And there's, at some point, the organic word to mouth is great, but it takes a long time. Yeah. So... How do you, you know, I've heard, I've heard, I've listened to podcasts and podcasts are advertising on other podcasts, Yeah, you know, or, you know, you make the right connection with the right person who, especially in social media, who can put it out there who and then all of a sudden, it yeah, their contact list. Yeah. Or, and, and, you know, maybe there's something, if you know somebody with a big following, you could say, Hey, listen, you know, you market me and help me and I'll. Well, I definitely, you know, have, yeah. There, there was, there'd be mutual benefit somewhere along the lines. There was uh, like a, a big, huge boon after I'd been on another guy's podcast. Um, yeah. 
Matt Rutherford, and right after that, and I had, I was actually I did it as I was departing to go on a voyage, so I was out at sea for the next like three months. Yeah, uh, but unbeknownst to me, people were downloading it like crazy and stuff. So at some point, there's going to be a uh, a time where you're going to sit there and say, I have these many downloads, and I think this company may be interested in me giving them a shout out. And, you know, and you may have to mm. cold call them and say, hey, listen, um, I, got an, I got an advertising idea for you. And you're going to start out really affordable because you want to, and you're going to paint, you're going to charge them per shout out and you're going to do shout out and you're going to do X, Y, Z. At some point, there's going to be like business development growth things that you're not going to like to do. That you're I, I have already to do. feel dirty. You already feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what happens. I mean, that's, that's when what they get big enough, I mean, there's people who literally spend all day going out and trying to solicit and sell, advertisers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get approached by, you know, sports teams to like, you know, advertise our restaurant. And of course, I'm like, no. But, you know, that's that's what they it's do. The nature of the I mean, beast. you take these multi multi million dollar companies. They are going. They have staff that do nothing but sales. Yeah, they have yeah. a sales department. Right, right. And at some point, and then you get to a point where everybody's coming to you. You know, oh, well, I want to be a part of this. Yeah, you know? I mean, see, I I think I just have this this notion, this this idea of of the whole thing just growing sort of organically it's real cliche to say and everything and just no and sometimes it can it sometimes it can yeah i it's just it it's just a question on whether you know it's it's about timing and yeah. really you know what you want to do and and you don't need to just you don't need to call you know the local McDonald's and see if they want to advertise. You, right, can, you right. can you can partner with people that mean something to you, a product that you enjoy. You can talk to them about that stuff, and you know, you know, there's there's a million ways that you can structure a deal, whether it's for just advertising or money or whatever it is. And so, you know, maybe you'd feel better about it if you could call you know, a brand or a company that you really respect yeah, and get along yeah. with and say, hey, listen, I'd like to use you, you know, I'd like to, I think you guys would benefit from X, Y, Z, but you got to start showing them data, right? They're going to want to say, when people approach me about advertising, I'd say, how many people are going to see it? What's the cost? And when they say, oh, well, you could be, you know, like magazines, you can be on this page for X, Y, Z. Well, what about this page? And why is it so much more? Mm -hmm. And what happens to color bleeds? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, right. It just goes on and on well, and on and on. the experts, yeah. So it's, it's getting to that point, yeah. You need to show data on who's it, who can it reach and why can well, it reach well, them. That's, that's kind of a nice part about these days, the, the platforms that you produce these yeah. things on give you all that. They tell you that's, graphics. That's what matters, yeah. yeah. But that's where you start. I mean, because the more, you know, and, and in some cases, when you start to bring in more money, you can do a lot more with that money. Well, yeah, because, for instance, one of the things that I've wanted to do, and I'm still sort of planning on, I'm just trying to figure out financially how I can do it, but it's essentially once I'm, sorted the boat out all that sort of stuff this fall to take off on this road trip yeah but that being said i've been on the road i know how much the road costs gasoline 
hotels, yeah. food. Living on the road is not it's not cheap by any means. No. Uh, and when I'm talking about on the road, I'm talking about all the way up to like Seattle and then back. Try and interview. I have a list of about 200 people that are from all walks of life that I think would be great. People that I know or I'm an acquaintance with who would probably give me a 75% chance of actually sitting down mm-hmm. and being on the show. And I, I was sort of like, I had it in my head that if if I do that, that will at least prove to me that this actually has potential. Like it's it's like giving it the full on 100%. Like let's try this. Let's give it all we got. Yeah. And you know what? If by the end of that three month road trip or why well, it would expand, I mean, it would be, Three months of doing podcasts to be able to put out podcasts for the next nine. Yeah. Uh, and then see where it's at after that sort of thing. But again, yeah, it's one of those things where financially trying to do it, it does. Yeah, it costs a lot of money just to get that. But it's, I'm trying to think if whether or not it's worth it, if it's possible. It, 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 but it's, I kind of want to do it. So, the, you know, early on in the conversation, we talked about business pushing you into doing things that you'd normally didn't like doing or want to do mm-hmm. at some point along the lines you got to sell and that's and i'm not talking about like sell like oh you got to sell out you know i'm saying you right. have to sell whether you're when i go sailing i like to always use these sales because they're the best sales. <laughs> yeah. but well there's but there's also whether you're selling yourself be not selling yourself when you're selling you know your you know your product, which is you, and you want to get some massive name on here, which will just flock everybody to you, yeah. And then make sh- then all of a sudden you become, you know, people are reaching out to you. Oh, let me advertise on your platform because you've, you know, you know, you've either sold your product and got some major, like you got the rock on here, right, right, or something, or and and or you're out there selling the, you know, the fact that you have this following and you're going to reach subscribers and -and so-and-so can benefit from paying you to advertise on your podcast. Mm -hmm. Some point along the lines, you're going to sell. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's not something you want to do. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. But, but I spouted my mouth off about it on this show enough where I'm like, (laughs) never do ads. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, 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 you you may you you don't necessarily have to. Maybe you, I won't. Yeah. You, no, you can take the other route. I'm not saying you have to do right, it. Right. Right. Um, it's it's a it's it's a matter of uh, time, and it's a matter of where you know how do you want to grow this thing. Some people want to grow it with advertising dollars and as fast as humanly possible. Other people don't, and you can take whatever route you want to take. Yeah. But it's it's. It, in, you have quality content that's great it's and then hopefully over time you'll start to build up um uh you know a name base of people that everybody wants to listen to and and you know you're the place to go to have a real conversation with you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think like that's one of the reasons that you know terry gross from npr every big name sits down and talks with her because yeah. she's so good and she's such a quality product right right and well I, i'm definitely still in in my infancy stage yeah. you know when it comes to sitting down and, and trying to not really necessarily lead a conversation but maybe at least just steer it the best thing you can do 
find a podcast that you think is similar yeah and has taken the route that you want to take and been successful at it yeah and and again sell cold call them say listen I've done that. I yeah. want to talk to you. I want to find out why. Find out as much information as you can and ask them the questions. How long did it take? What did you have to do? If they'll if they'll share it with you. Yeah. You get that knowledge, then you know what you have to do. Yeah. And 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 as my mother would say, don't compromise if you want to if you want to grow this business in a certain way, then that's what you do. If you Start to compromise, you'll resent it. Ooh. So do the grow you it the way like you want to do it. Dangled the carrot, and then you just told me if I touch that carrot, I'm gonna hate myself. But you also just said I told myself I'd never do it. Yeah, I don't yeah. want you to compromise. Right, right, right. You know? Well, you know, uh, and when I think back to it, I I think that I started really spouting off about that after I got the first couple of people on the Patreon thing. Mm-hmm. So when when I first put that out, I had no. I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. I doubt anybody would ever donate any money to this thing. And then lo and behold, a few people did. And then I, all of a sudden, I was sort of like looking at other podcasts and seeing how much revenue some of them were making. And you know, like Tim Dillon, comedian, I think is somewhere around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. from from people just donating money to him. And it's like. Huh. Okay. So that's obviously like the very high echelon. I mean, top, top, top of the yeah, yeah the heap here. But yeah. um, I don't know. I just, I guess, seeing that put it more in perspective of maybe it is something that I can make a living off of because I, I'm a man of very, very little means. Like I, I like my very simple. I like not owning a car. Of course, I, yeah. You know, um, but I. Sometimes I don't like living in a boat in a boatyard uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be kind of nice sometimes to have something else, but I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. I, it's nice to just get a little bit of a perspective. You've definitely given me some things to. The, I think I, th- about. I think an interesting compromise, in my opinion, and I'm not in the podcast business. Whatever you do, information is king, and don't ever be afraid to ask the question. Mm-hmm. But a compromise might be if you get to a point where you want to try the advertising, where you want to try to seek, go after companies that you can help that may have, a, you know, a little bit of money put aside to market with you or go after companies that you, like I said, you believe in or you like their product and you think are responsible. Yeah. And then that way you might feel a little bit better about advertising, taking the advertising dollars and, and, and associating yourself with them. Because you don't want to just associate yourself because you do have a brand. You don't want to just associate yourself with companies that you don't believe in or you think don't align with your your brand. Yeah. I'm not talking about politics or anything. Like I'm just oh, saying no. your brand, right? <clears throat> so well, that yeah, may I be mean, a compromise. Go after somebody that you respect, that you can help, that you like. Yeah. And have a relationship with. I like nothing. Yeah. Or or <laughs> or don't do it. I'm just yeah. You know, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's uh, like I said. That's real. There's different ways that you can look at this. You've definitely given me a, a huge amount to think about, and that's and you know it's something too where I I just sort of wanted to hear, I don't know, just hear the out an outside opinion from it, um, and yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I'll I'll definitely. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about it sort of off the air and everything, but uh, 
I don't know. It, it's it's business just, does not have to be done one way or a typical way. Yeah, right. Be different and stick with it. Well, and and I guess with this one one of the things that that is a hindrance as well as a uh, I think a very big positive as far as the the growth and the future of this podcast is that I've sort of built it around interviewing people that have never been on a podcast. Yeah. They're certainly like it says uh, my first time. Yeah. (laughs) Everyday people who do extraordinary things and not to say that I wouldn't take on sitting down with somebody who's like either famous or whatever. Yeah. Uh, But that's not my core. Yeah. That's not my niche, I guess. And I like it that way because I, I, I don't know. I, who knows, who knows what the future would bring, but I, I would, I, I hope and I will try to strive to keep this podcast, the core of it, alive where it really is. It's sitting yeah. down with just everyday people that you can relate to and sort of be able, like you're saying, peel back the onion yeah. on yeah. somebody to find out that, you know, Joe Schmo over here is actually an incredible human being. And this is why. I, and I and I think that that's what makes you different. I do I I like that. But at some point you've got to yeah. find out. It's also it's going to keep me poor. No 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 no. That that's that's your product. That's your product that that <clears throat> keeps you interesting. That's not that could I think would actually do the opposite. Well, you were and you were. I mean, you were saying like I'm the product, but I'm I think of myself as I'm the shelf. You're the product, and I'm displaying you. But I'm sitting the, here. I mean, guest. first of all. You know, I'm, I'm, and ladies you know, and gentlemen, let me tell you, my guest is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sweating. Oh, no, um, oh gosh. No, but run he, from Jerome's town. But the reality <laughs> of it is, Jerome, is that the reason I said that you're the product is because people are sitting down with you because of you. They're not sitting down with you because they get to be on a podcast, they're sitting down because they get to talk to Jerome. Right, right. We all love you. We all know what you're capable of. Aww. And so. Uh-oh. Is that the baby alarm? That actually was. But that that was. <laughs> She's awake. No, that wasn't. that. It, it, it's the, ca- wake the camera. Up, the camera d- detected no movement. It's wrong. So oh, that's right, not, right. you know, like. Gotcha. And so. But that's why I'm saying. And that's why I'm saying that you're the product because people are going to be drawn to you. Yeah. Your interviewers, your advertisers, your listeners. I mean, your listeners will tune in to you know, hear about and what somebody has done. Right. But they also like hearing you. Um, and that's why I say that. So one way or the other, yeah. you'll, you'll get out there. And it's just in, in, like I, you know, there's typical ways of doing something. You don't have to be typical. Do it your way. Right. You know, that's one thing I always learned from my mom. I'll try not to, Get it all sleazy with all the business stuff. I'll start sending. Yeah, you Yeah, I'll, I'll just call I'm, you when I have a question. <laughs> There's this condom company that's going to get started. They were usually advertised. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I guess to wrap this whole thing up, if you were to give one piece of advice in all the stuff that you've learned throughout your your years of business. What would it be if somebody was thinking like, man, you know, I like that business stuff. I think I might be good at it. What would you tell them? Try to put the fear aside and be as diligent as possible. 
because it doesn't diligence is what it, it, it and the perseverance is what was how you succeed you just keep never give up you keep punching away if, and... if you care about it it all goes back to how much you care mm-hmm. do you want to make this work and what are you willing to do and people let fear and 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 giving up get in their way there there is you don't you don't have to be the smartest guy you don't have to have all the capabilities in the world if if you if you give a damn you can develop all that stuff and you you got to push it's all about pushing michael thank you so much for coming on the show yeah this was great yeah thanks guys all right all right